One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. So happy to be live with you guys again. Sorry for the the replays, um, but all for good reason. One was my birthday, and that was good. And the uh, other one was because of the annual tradition of uh, the Tennessee-Alabama football game. So uh, my buddy Carrie and I got to get out, um, and we didn't actually go to the game for the first time in several years, but uh, we we still uh, made a weekend out of it. So excited to be back with you, excited to have everybody back online with us and uh, look forward to a fantastic conversation. I want to talk to our guest today, who's the CEO and co-founder of Insurious. It's an insurance platform that protects your most valued gear and equipment. He's an internationally known professional speaker, author, and consultant. With over 30 years of entrepreneurial experience, he's been credited with the reinvention of the modern camera store. However, his greatest achievement is having raised five successful children to adulthood as a single dad. He's a frequent national TV and publication contributor and has the number one best-selling book, Leader of the Pack, How a Single Dad of Five Led His Kids, His Business, and Himself from Disaster to Success. So let's bring him on right now, Matt Sweetwood. How are you doing, sir? Rick, I am thrilled to be here. How are you today? Happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. A couple couple of weeks, right? But but yeah, I'm, I'm still celebrating. You go, just let it go slow and then you age slower. That, that's what it is. We stopped counting quite so. So it's good to be 23, um, feeling, feeling solid about that. So my first thing, uh, wow, Matt, uh, thank you for the gift of your book. And uh, that really should uh, come with a disclaimer um, <laughs> that says, um, you know, don't expect to be super happy when you're done. It's quite a story. It's it, it and, and makes me really just want to kind of dive in and start talking to you to, uh, about that book. Talk to me about, you know, leader of the pack, writing the book, and we'll get into insurious uh, as well, but I, I, I want to hear about the book and what led you to write that and, and tell the story. And, and I don't want to shy anybody away from the book itself, when I say it should come with disclaimer, it's just incredibly raw and real and straightforward. And so lead me through your decision to do that and why you felt like you needed to tell that story. You know, I appreciate the raw thing. You know, I'm a Jersey boy originally. And, you know, Jersey guys, we just, you know, we just put it out there, whatever it is, you know, it's uh, that's just the way it is. Um, I think for the book, for me, it was, you get to a point in your life and you're like, there's no way all of this stuff happened for no reason. It happened because there's a story to tell. And what, what happened was it was actually sort of a indirect, you know, you always say, everybody always says they have a book to write, you know, not many actually do it. But I think it was a, a situation where I was running a company at the time and, and I was trying, I was an early adopter of social media. I, I got a point for this. And I was trying to build my personal brand. I was like an original personal brander, you know, using social media, early adopter and everything. And I found that when I talked about my business, people were a lot less interested than when I would talk about life as a single dad. And I started, you know, writing articles, posting things. I started talking about, and then what I discovered was the more raw I was, the more, you know, honest, just 
This is how a man feels raising children. This is what a man feels like when he goes through divorce, when his wife leaves him, when all of those things. I started, I started attracting big audiences. And I had people come to me and say, you know, that message really resonates with me, both men and women. And then as I sort of look back on the craziness of my life, you know, I had a Supreme Court case that came out of my divorce and the journey of raising children and going through very, very difficult times when men didn't do this and women didn't leave their children and things like that. I really felt it was a story worth telling. And so I went out and I went to write a book. And of course, you know, being a math major in college, I didn't do very well on my first try. And threw away about a year's worth of work and then restarted again and wrote that memoir, which is ultimately what you read, which is really just story after story. And I kind of let the reader come to their conclusion about how to get yourself out of really bad jams and why it's okay to make mistakes and how God stands there for you at some point and you know pulls you out of it. And it's a story of how you can overcome anything. And I think to me, the most rewarding thing about the book is if you go out on Amazon, for example, there's like 130 something five-star reviews and people talking about how the book changes their life. I just had somebody say that to me, wrote me on Facebook. I didn't even know the person. They said, I read your book. It changed my life. It made such a difference to me. So to me, that's what it's really about. I really feel like you know, even the difficult times I went through, I got to pay back in that book and got to sort of express myself and, you know, do something worthwhile on this earth. Yeah. So I, the word there too is authenticity, right? When, when, when you're authentic, it, it, we can change raw for authentic, right? It, That's right? When you're authentic and just who you are, that does resonate much more on social media than the, you know, Hey, look at my beer. I'm having a great time. Um, but I'll tell you, there's some, there's a lot of personal parallels uh, in your story and mine, um, in in what I'm going through now, right? And, and so, uh, it was it was interesting timing for me to to get the book and, and to read through it. And um, I think uh, while while in in I'm going to give people an inside joke here, so they have to re-listen to it after they read your book. Um, while my current is more of a Charlotte than a Marnie, right? It's 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 uh, it. it it's still resonating with a lot of stuff. Um, but there was, I mean, it, there was parallels. So to, to tell the story, you know, you originally were married and several kids, then you got remarried and it was almost a, a repeat. Right. And I love the fact that you, you had to hire her whole family and 30 others and, and that kind of stuff and support them. But um, so t let's, let's talk about the first one and then we'll come, come to Marnie. So, what, what, and not without getting into the details, but what were some of those key lessons you felt like you've, you've taken forward as a benefit from, from Charlotte? I think that um, if you go into a relationship with, and, and by the way, this, you, anything I say, you can almost make a business parallel. I really want to emphasize that because I know we talk about work and life here. So you can almost draw a business parallel. And one of the things that I teach when I, I coach men now, I help men, I've helped men and women actually, I coach both, is I tell them that you have to learn to love being alone. And when you don't learn that lesson and you're desperate for companionship, you make mistakes. You know. And the other thing that I think you really walk away from that is that everything counts. You don't overlook things in people's past. They become part of the whole person that they are. And I think, you know, I was very naive and young when I married Charlotte and <laughs> I got drawn in and things didn't go so well because of that, because I was really just desperate to not be alone. I, I didn't, I just ignored things that were happening. And I think there's a third thing. And this, I'm going to shout out to the whole audience. Under no circumstances is anybody 
should anybody accept abuse under any circumstances. It's and never any kind okay. of abuse, right? Any verbal, kind of abuse. psychological. Verbal. Yeah. Absolutely. And abuse comes in many forms. You know, abuse can come from just being ignored. You sit at the dinner table and your significant other doesn't look at you, ignores you. It could be putting you down. It could be passive aggressive. No, I'm not saying every human is perfect and we all sometimes get mad at other people. That's not what I'm talking about. When it becomes, you know, a regular thing or it's pervasive or you're in fear in your own home and all of those things, that's not okay. And it's okay to say it's not okay and it's okay to walk away from it. So when in the story, and this is just part of this is just proven that I actually read the book. Just, just to be that clear, Matt. No, I'm just yeah. decent. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, usually people read, by the way, I've been on many podcasts and people usually say, I'm going to read your book. And, the, and then I know when they're telling me that they're just going to read, like read the first chapter, skim, read the last chapter. Yeah. Right. But my book is very hard to put down. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. And to get through it. So, so you say with, with Marnie, your second wife, so you now start to go with her at first when she says, Hey, you know, let's not have the kids at the ceremony. You know, you're thinking, oh, that's a romantic gesture, but now you, you realize in hindsight, that's more of a divide and conquer type of strategy. But you said that she almost instantly changed the, the, before the ink was dry on the wedding certificate. Yeah. Um, I think that people, you know, without giving away too much of the book, I think that individuals, that have disorders, particularly personality disorders, they have a skill set. They know how to find vulnerable people. They know how to draw them in, get them to fall in love with them, get them connected to them legally, emotionally, physically, in every way. And that's at that moment, they're able to do what it is that they need to do. And in the case of these people, these people are feeling extreme pain themselves. Not, not from anything you've done, even though they make it something that you've done, um, but they themselves are wounded individuals and they suffer from, you know, a great amount of internal pain. And when they have somebody locked in, either because they're in love with them, the other person's in love with this disordered person, or they're married or whatever, they have them locked in, they unload their pain on them. And that's essentially the way they all operate. It's really made me a very, very good coach. Because when I speak to people, I, like, I'll meet somebody for the first time and they'll start to describe their situation either man or woman with their husband or wife. And I'll start to tell them what the other person has been doing to them before they tell me. Because believe it or not, they actually all operate in a very similar manner. And it's simply because they themselves go through an extreme amount of internal pain. And for whatever reason God made it like this, the best way for them to expel the pain is to abuse other people. It makes them feel better. Wow. That's incredible. So I, it makes, it makes a tremendous amount of sense. Um, what I want to be able to do, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm teetering here because we're right up against a break. And, and so I don't want to launch into this until we get into break, but I, I want to get into um, what are some of those tips and tricks and items that you've picked up through these two marriages? If there was somebody out there listening right now that was like, I'm in a marriage I know I shouldn't be in. Um, I'm, I've already kind of made that decision, that kind of stuff, but I'm afraid to take that first step. I'm, I'm, a, you know, what's life going to be like afterwards? What about the kids? What about all those things? I'd love to get in some tips and tricks and I'm going to have you answer that question just on the other side of this break. You're listening to Rick Morris on the work-life balance. Are 
Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions. Like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, visiting with uh, Matt Sweetwood, who's uh, the co-founder and CEO of a startup, Insurious, uh, as well as author of Leader of the Pack. And right before break, uh, Matt, we kind of tease into it. So what advice would you give somebody that, you know, at this point, they, they've kind of made the decision or they think they've made the decision or they just know that they're not happy? What uh, advice would you give them in, in how to get started or what they should do? Um, I th- well, okay, those are a couple of different circumstances. They're sure, they let, sure let me, let, let me Let me just sort of say this, you know, they say divorce is the most painful an expensive process you can go through, and it's worth every penny of it, okay? You know, we've all heard that, or it's a pretty popular expression. So here's what I would say. Obviously, if you're unhappy in the relationship um, and, you know, you're thinking about getting divorced, you know, this is the time to seek help of some kind, whether that means, you know, really being honest with your partner, if you don't feel you can do that, obviously seek a coach or a counselor or something like that, and really decide that that's what you want to do. But And, you know, I coach people and in many times I'm really forward with it. I'm like, I think divorce is really the best option for you. And, you know, the only thing to fear is fear itself. This is one of those things. It's not necessarily an easy process, but your alternative is living in an unhappy life. And, And that's not a way to live. That's not the way God put us on this earth. 
And when you're unhappy, if you have children, the children know you're unhappy. You're not going to be productive or creative. You're going to stifle your career. You're going to do all of those things. So the sooner you get out, the better it is. And I'm saying that with certainly exhaust possibilities of trying to make the marriage work. I believe marriage is a worthwhile institution, despite my best-selling book about two very difficult marriages. It's a worthwhile institution, worthwhile making it a really fair attempt to save. But if it's irreconcilable, you're being abused, you've been unhappy for a long period of time, you need to take that step. Find the courage and take that step because you have your whole life on the other side. And the sooner you begin, the sooner the process ends and the sooner you can start to heal and move on with your life at any age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so again, we're being personal, but I, I stepped away after 24 years of marriage, my first marriage. And it, it certainly was time probably maybe should have done it at year 18 or 19. Right. But, uh, but I think what happens with people is First of all, there's the social pressure, right? There's the people of like, look, you know, especially, you know, I live in the Bible Belt, very religious area. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, once you're married, that's it. And I was like, well, but, but I can't see where God says, this is my path. This is where I'm supposed to be um, dealing with this every day because I made a decision when I was 21, right? It just, yeah. it just. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so coming off some of the the, the kind of darker conversation there, you as well, though, are a very successful business person and you're dealing with all this turmoil and, and essentially paying for, you know, all of this, this turmoil. And I, we won't get into the settlement things that I, that I read in the book because uh, going through that conference right now scares me reading that <laughs> stuff. But um, and you should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, that, that part was not my yeah. favorite part of the book. Yeah, yeah um, probably not. I'm <laughs> that, was that was two or three beers after reading that. <laughs> it was, or a shot. But, um, so, yeah. but how, did you, how did you maintain and what did you take into your business based on some of these things that you, that you went through? I think that it was really ultimately, when I look back, love of my children. The mother walked away when they were young. The youngest was 18 months, still in diapers. The oldest was eight. Imagine five kids, 18 months through eight. I had a business that was in a very difficult industry, electronics industry, that had major technological revolutions one after the other. Business models changed. It was very, very hard business, low, low margins. And I think ultimately, you look at these kids, they're looking at me, they're looking up at me and they're like, dad, what's next? You're in charge, you know? And that just, it really gave me the motivation to go and just make it all happen. And, you know, at first I was scared out of my mind. I don't, I was totally terrified. I looked at it like, oh my gosh, I have these five kids. This is a jail sentence. You know, I'm going to have to raise them for whatever. And I just want to work and play and watch football on the weekend and do whatever it is I'm going to do. And be a daddy and, you know, show, show up at home, pat the kids on the head, throw the ball with them and a little bit. And I think you just, it grows you. It grows you as a man. I'm the person I am today because I manned up. It was almost the title of my book, by the way. I almost called it Man Up. And um, it's just a question of manning up and wanting success for yourself and your, and your business and your children enough. I, I developed a personal motto, which I follow all the time out of that, which is how badly do you want it? And I looked at my kids. I'm like, I don't want them on the street. I don't want them in jail. I don't want them on drugs. I want them to be successful. I need to make money. I need to pay all these exes. I need to run a business and grow this business. And I was desperate. 
I was desperate enough to make it happen. I put my head down. Fortunately, God gives me a lot of physical strength because physical strength is the foundation for emotional mental strength. So if you're going to get through these things mentally and emotionally, I always tell that, by the way, when I counsel people or help people, I always start by putting the try to get them in physical shape. If you're going to go through divorce, here's a tip. Make sure you're in really good physical shape because it makes it allows you to handle those stresses much, much better. And I think it was just that will to be successful and will for my kids to make it and be happy and give them a happy life that prevented me from quitting and allowed me to use all of my energy and that strength to make it happen. I think that's at the base level. That's really what it's about. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, obviously you struggle and sometimes you have doubts and you have those things. But when I look back over the 25 years I was doing it, that's really was the driving force. Yeah, you, there's certainly a fight or flight scenario there right so yeah. uh, do do i continue to but but at the same time pre-divorce you're doing the same thing anyway right you're killing yourself and it's all you know exiting a, a different direction you're not getting in the benefit of it anyway that's right um, when you go through divorce you're in decomposition destruction mode the second your divorce is over that's when you can start building yeah and the, all the same amount like the point you made is a great point is that you're expending all of this energy during the divorce phase and it's just negative. It's pulling away from you. The energy is coming away from you. The money is coming away from you. Everything is coming away from you. And then when you move outside, that's when you can start your life again, for sure. Yeah. So what, what, were you, what was the business then that you were doing? Um, that was an electronics business. It was a camera store, an electronics distribu- distribution business. It was quite a large business. We, I exited that business. And we were, it was a $100 million business. I get to claim on my business profile. I grew a business from $1 million to $100 million, um, And it was a tough business, really yeah. tough business. So what led you then to this new startup that you're working on now? Well, um, after I, I exited that business in 15, 2015, um, after working every day, literally at home and at work for a balance, you know, your work-life balance, the scale was yeah. like that. Heavy weights had bent the scale. When yeah. they didn't, it didn't go like this, it just bent. <laughs> and uh, um, I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you because I'm a little bit of a type A personality. I remember the day I signed the agreement. The next day I woke up in the morning, I'm like, you're unemployed. You're a loser. So I um, actually, I went out. That's when I finished and I wrote the book. And I've been doing consulting and um, speaking in between there. I've written a lot of articles, hundreds of articles, literally, from Entrepreneur, The Good Men Project, The Huffington Post, my own blog, msweetwood.com. I've just, I've been very prolific. I acted as interim CEO for uh, two companies, two startups along the way to help them sort of get themselves going. And then just through connections recently, I landed with this product in Sherius, which I am thrilled with. The irony is that the product is going to allow me to sort of step back into the photo industry, which thought they, they got rid of me a few years ago, <laughs> because what Insurious does is it provides equipment insurance for life's disasters, which doesn't exist. You take your laptop or your camera out of your house, it's lost, stolen, broken, whatever it is, we can cover it seven minutes or less for a very small premium. There's no product like that in the market. Cover you for earthquakes, floods, terrorism, anything that basically can happen to your equipment from golf clubs to tennis clubs to bikes to cameras to that kind of thing. For about $12.50 a month, you can get about six grand worth of insurance. And you can do it in about seven minutes or less. Don't speak to anybody. That site should be live, by the way. We're just starting it up right now. It should be live in about a week or so, week, two weeks tops. 
So there's certainly a, a competitor to the market, right? So um, there is actually, there is nobody in this place. There are policies which touch elements of what we do. You know, there's some riders you can get on existing policies, but people, the, one of the issues, you know, when you go out into the market is you have to make people realize that their homeowners does not cover this. Right. But what about like at the register when they, when they try to sell me the equipment protection program at the right, register, somebody, how do you differ? Um, okay. So here's how, this is actually a really good question because when you, has anybody, have you ever tried to claim those insurances? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd right. never get them. Never get right. them. Right. You the, never get them. But that's really the point. So th that's because they're designed like that. They're designed very easy. We have a very easy claim process. It's through a very large insurance company. You'll, it's really about the process. You make a claim, you'll be paid very, very quickly uh, in our scenario. And the claim process is very easy. It's not a, um, you know, it's not harder than divorce. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but so do you have to submit, uh, send the equipment back or, you know, how's no, just, you just a have picture to, of it? You have to provide some sorts of proofs depending upon what happens with the equipment. But the claims process is much, much simpler. You go right online, you click. It's not like you ever do one of those things where you can't even find where to make a claim. Oh, absolutely. And you have to call some 800 number, press 17 digits, wait online, and then don't get through. Yep. And then you get to the person and the person tells you, you have to then go to this website, you know, something, something dot claims dot QR five, nine type. Mm. With <laughs> this is just go online, enter a few pieces of information. We'll process your claim relatively quickly. So the claims process is easy and the insurance doesn't have a lot of loopholes in it, as you would say, wow. you know, which is what they do with the, the policy is extremely straightforward. And to me, that's really what it's about. And it covers a lot of things. And, but once again, people do not have this kind of courage coverage. For example, when you buy that equipment insurance, most of the time, if it's the stuff stolen, you don't get it. It's not covered. Right. It's usually covered against accidental damage. That's typically what they cover. We even have coverage that if you if it drops in water, we'll cover it. Try that with your laptop at uh, one of the one of the big stores, right? Yeah. So it's accidental, but but we get to term what an accident yeah, really accidental is. is. You know, there's all sorts of you know anybody who's done them is you. So we have a very we call it it's seriously easy insurance. You go up, sign up, enter your credit card, you're insured. You know, you insure bikes, you know, bikes are very expensive, very, you know, stolen item a lot. Cameras are actually the number one stolen item. It's going to be the first market. We're going to go heavily marked into the marketplace where we go in and advertise. I'm going to be like camera industry. Matt Sweet was back. <laughs> they're going to close. All the doors are going to close and they're going to go run it. So, again, we, we, we mentioned your, your father of five. And so I think when we come back from the break, I'd love to get into the difference between parenting and say leading a company, right? I think that that'd be interesting for us to get through. So really? we're going to do that just on the other side of this break and listen to Rick Morris on the work-life balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. 
the work-life balance. We like to ask simple questions to our executives and portfolio managers. Are you picking your projects based on what the organization can spend, or is it based on what your resources can realistically achieve? This question, if not answered properly, can cause great strain on your staff, limiting the return on investment. When creating project selection criteria, does your organization attempt to understand the amount of resources needed to complete the work? Is this done in spreadsheets or at a high level? What if we told you there was a simple and easy solution that was built with resource planning in mind? We call it Resource First from PDWare. Resource First was built with resource planning as its foundation. We have years of experience that proves before a company fine-tunes its project and portfolio management processes. Without a process for resource planning, the best processes and algorithms can fall flat. Resources should be first when deciding the strategy of taking an organization forward. Find out more at pdware.com. Put your people first with Resource First from PDWare. Join us at pdware.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back on the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon, visiting with Matt Sweetwood, who's the co-founder and CEO of a new startup, Insurious, and also author of Leader of the Pack. Uh, Matt, so uh, I'll tell you a quick little anecdote here, and, and I want to get into my question, but um, uh, I, I get to work with uh, and, and hang around John Maxwell quite a bit, and uh, he tells a story about he got approached right after uh, Enron and, and all of those things went down, he got approached by his publisher to write a book about business ethics. And uh, after looking at it, he says, I, I, I can't write that book. And they said, you know, why not? It'd be great. It's a perfect time for your voice. And he goes, because there's no such thing as business ethics. It's just ethics. You either have them or you don't. And that, that story has always stuck with me. And, and so as you're going through a lot of these hardships with the divorce, but being very successful with companies and running these companies, um, the, the question becomes, how, do you, how did you manage and, and what's the difference between, you know, leading your family versus leading your company? Okay might be my favorite question of all time. How about that? So I wrote, you know, I talk about, I wrote an article. I wrote an article and actually I published it before I was publishing on a lot of these platforms. I published it on LinkedIn called what's the difference between great parenting and great leadership. The conclusion, I'll, I'll give you the conclusion and then back into it again. The, the conclusion is that the skill set is basically the same. And the things that the really powerful lessons we learned at home in being at home and running a home and caring for children really help you in business. And certainly some of the things that you learn in business, some of the things that you learn in business really can make the home uh, run in a much more efficient fashion. Uh, you know, I think that when you apply a little bit of fathering, uh, which I can say um, to your staff, I think that that sometimes has a, a really beneficial effect. And I think that when you apply organization and business-like skills to the way you run a home and sometimes pull the emotion out, um, you can be better. And I can give you really concrete examples of- Yeah, I'd love you know, 
how that you know really comes to play. So first of all, from a time management perspective, I was an original Palm Pilot owner. Yeah, I really did. This little green box. No, you don't have to tell me. I know exactly. I well, so that allowed me to put all of my personal and business information together, and it was great. You would see president of Fuji, eleven o'clock call. You would see soccer practice, four o'clock. You know, you would see these kinds of things in there and mixed in there. And I became it. I, I was always a pretty organized person, but having to manage these two businesses really turned me into uber organization. And in fact, if you go on my YouTube page, I have a bunch of videos that I've done and stuff like that. People tell me I should give a course in organization. So that's rule number one. If you want to be good in both, you'd be really organized and manage your data and manage and be on top of everything because otherwise life will spiral out of control. But from terms of leadership, I'll give you an example from home. Um, so when the children's mother left, um, my I, each of the children, you know, had effects of that one way or another. And my, my middle son, uh, I won't name him here so he doesn't get embarrassed. People don't go Google him and stuff. Um, <laughs> my middle son, his reaction to all of this was he sort of became a little bit ADHD and he became very, very quiet, wouldn't speak. Like people thought he didn't speak. And I'm talking about, you know, a six-year-old kid six, five, six years old at the time. And I, got, I kept getting calls from the school. He wasn't sitting still in school. You know, he, he wasn't always causing trouble. He just wasn't doing his work. And, you know, I'm trying to manage all of this. You know, it's imagine yeah. the craziness, right? Getting calls from the school and work and the thing and the divorce and the, okay. So I kept getting, and they kept putting pressure on me. You know, he needs to be medicated. They should put him on Ritalin. They should do this and that. And I'm like, you know, I had like a business moment. I'm, you know, when you run a business, you're like, you're listening to advice. And you're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting my kids on drugs. There's got to be a better solution. So what do you do at work when you're faced with this thing? You come up with a solution, right, that works for you. So what I decided to do was I put the kid in soccer. I said, I'm going to drag his butt. I'm going to figure out a way to get there, and I'm going to put him in soccer. Why did I put him in soccer? Because they run him like, you know, I was in a town with a competitive soccer league. And they, he, he was a good athlete, even though all of those things, I put him on, he made the, like the traveling team right away. And they ran him like five miles a day. Well, trust me, you run a kid five miles a day, eight <laughs> miles a day. And he was a little kid too. So he got smacked around, you know, he had to listen to the coach. He had to talk to his other teammates that made him talk. He expelled his energy. He started to build some self-esteem. At first he hated it. It was like, he was looking at me with daggers in his eyes. The end of that story is this boy ended up playing on the high school championship team of New Jersey. He became an all-state player and got a soccer scholarship to college. And that wow. went from giving him real in. And I believe that that's a business principle that you apply. You, you, you think out of the box, you come up with a solution, and you execute that solution for long periods of time unrelentingly. That's a business, that's a business philosophy. And then I can give you an example at work. I had a... Um, I had a young man who actually I had hired him, but he was hired as an accounting clerk. He had a visual problem, but he assured me he'd come to work and I didn't really pay attention. It wasn't my area of the company. And he worked for a couple of years. I knew him really, really nice guy, very honest, really liked him. I only heard pretty good things about him. And eventually our accounting manager left, his boss left. And my human resources person put an ad and said, we need to hire an accounting manager. So it's like, okay, of course, that's what we're going to do. So I went in and I talked to him. I asked him how he's doing and so on. And I noticed that he was like 
like looking, I'm sorry to do this to you, but he was like looking at the screen, like two inches away. And I'm like, Joe, why are you doing that? He goes, well, I'm going to be honest with you. He goes, you know, I'm really legally blind. Yeah. And I'm looking at him like, you're legally blind. I'm like, how do you, because I ask you figures, you, you get them for me right away. He goes, I memorize them all. Wow. I looked at him. I shook my head. I walked into my human resource office. I said, here's what we're going to do. He's going to be the finance manager. I walked back down. We helped him. We got him. We gave him a little bit of love, a little bit of special equipment, got him set up. And he became the finance manager, was in that position for 10 years, became like a vice president of the company. So there's an example where you show your staff member a little bit of love, a little bit of care, sort of pay attention to them like you would your own child, and you can maybe end up with a good result. So I think that those kinds of leadership skills that you can exhibit at homework, they just sort of overlap. You apply, you understand, the mindset in those cases is basically the same. I, I believe they are. You know, it's yeah. this sort of like leading and being fearless and doing what you got to do. So back to the point of the the anecdote itself, right? There is no such thing as, as business leadership and family leadership. It's just leadership. It's just leadership. It, That's it's all just it leadership. Absolutely. So what's some advice you could give then to an entrepreneur that might be listening right now that you think is going to help them, you know, lead to success? Um, the, the meme, you haven't failed until you quit. I'll balance that with sometimes the first loss is the best loss. So you analyze if you're down the wrong path, feel free to shift or quit. It's okay. Don't, don't keep piling you know, on top of bad ideas or bad principles. But ultimately, success in business comes down to how badly you want it. If you want something badly enough, and if it's not working, you should ask yourself that question. I do that to myself sometimes. When things don't work right, I say to myself, Matt, do you really want that badly enough? Are you doing everything you can? So that's what I would say to an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, right, this is a, I love this saying, an entrepreneur works 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40. That's right. And if you go into it with that attitude that you are going to do anything and everything, it doesn't matter how many people say no, it doesn't matter whether the banks won't give you money, nobody will loan you money, it doesn't matter if you believe in what you're doing and you want it badly enough, you are going to every step of the way make it happen. And I don't know too many entrepreneurs that haven't been turned down, that haven't had failures, that haven't had that, but just pick themselves up and just keep going and going and going and going until they cross the finish line. So that's it. A young entrepreneurs, starting out entrepreneurs have to realize that if you want to be successful, you got to be in it to win it with 100% of your effort. Yeah. It comes, it, in fact, for those of you that, that most of you can't see the video, but if you can see this guy right up here in my screen, um, that's my Sisyphus. And so I have a saying in, in something that I've worked in in my speeches is everybody has the want to succeed, but do they have the will? And so to me, that is my visual representation. And, and I've written blog posts and articles on that too, that the emails, the distractions, the no's, all that stuff, that's the rock I got to push up the mountain. And if I quit for a second, it's going to push me back down the mountain. I got to start all over again. So it's about building that momentum and going after. And I have a visual representation that I can see especially when I'm doing Zoom meetings all the time, I can see my Sisyphus hanging there telling me, you know, keep pushing, keep grinding. But I, I think the other interesting principle around that is um, don't give up. Do you want it bad enough? But be careful what you define as what you want, right? So you, your definition should be success. Your definition should be happiness. 
but not this exact product going this exact way. Cause that's where, like, if you're all in on that and you're afraid to pivot, then, then you're going to lose as well. That's right. I couldn't agree with you more. You have to be flexible, you know, and when you go in and, you know, Ben like the read, you know, snap like the, whatever, I think that, uh, that, whatever that expression is that I just completely butchered, but you want to bend like the reed in the wind, you know, sort of be able to maneuver like that very swiftly. Don't get so rigid because you definitely will break. It, I don't know of, I know of very few successful businesses, the, even the biggest ones that's that ended on exactly the same idea they started. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, I, and I'll give you a, a quick anecdote. We'll take, we'll take a break here, but um, I, uh, I'm a big fan of Think and Grow Rich. Love, love the book. Uh, was mentored through the book by by a, a great uh, mentor, and had to come up with a mantra. And if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, the people listening haven't read Think and Grow Rich. You have to develop a specific mantra, a specific amount of money, the action, and a time frame. And the mantra that I created was two million dollars uh, free and clear in the bank account from the sale of online products by March of 2023. That was my mantra. When I wrote that, the full intention was my own products. I write books. I've got information products. So I go, and I mean, just heads down, full out, blow all that stuff out, right? You finally start to launch the ads, and now you're just waiting for the registers to ring, and it was crickets. I, I, I missed the mark. I, I absolutely missed the mark, and it was very discouraging. But May of last year, I'm running an event, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club 30-Year Reunion, and it hit me. It said, who said it had to be your products? So my mantra is exactly the same, but what I realized is through that, I learned how to do the podcast, how to build the online products, how to do the advertising. And so many people are just like, I want to write a book, but they don't know where how to get started. I want to do a podcast, but they don't know how to get started. And I was like, okay. So I've switched that, that model to where now I'm helping other people do it and starting to generate revenue that way. But my mantra, the point of that is the mantra is exactly the same just the definition of how I got there changed slightly. You have to, businesses need reinvention to survive. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And, and if you don't believe us, ask Kodak. Um, so <laughs> we don't, they invented digital cameras and, and didn't see the market. Coming. I actually want to, you're, you're taking away when I give my keynote talk, I actually talk about, I talk about that because I was in the boardroom of the CEO of the Eastman Kodak company when they showed the slow decline of film, how it was going to play out. And, you know, they gave you this nice, you know, nice slope and it went like this. <laughs> I'll tell you something else that was as ironic as it can get. Um, and that is uh, Kodak had something called the Kodak gallery. Yep. It was an online uh, storage for photos where you could display your photos and they had like 50 million users had no idea what to do with it. About a month, three months after they went through their first chapter 11, they went bankrupt. A small startup got a billion dollars worth of financing from Facebook called Instagram. Instagram, yep. With less photos online and less users than Kodak had with their photo gallery. And they yeah. didn't know what to do with it. They could have been Instagram. It's unbelievable. So we're going to take a break right here. We've got the, the question we ask every guest on the other side of this. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you? 
Are you aware that 80% of project management executives do not know how their projects align with their company's business strategy? Are you aware that businesses identified capturing time and costs against projects as their biggest project management challenge? Are you aware that 44% of project managers use no software, even though PricewaterhouseCoopers found that the use of commercially available project management software increases performance and satisfaction? Now, imagine that you could have the ease of entry like a spreadsheet and a software tool set up and running within two to four weeks. Imagine within two weeks being able to see clearly where all of your resource conflicts are. Well, you don't have to imagine because PDWare has already created it. PDWare can give you real-time access to KPIs, easily updated views of what your teams are working on, and immediate feedback to some of project management's toughest questions, like, when can we start this project? What happens if we delay this project? Can we do this in time? How does this new project impact our current portfolio? Find us at pdware.com and imagine not manually compiling endless reports again. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon. We've been visiting with Matt Sweetwood. Uh, he's the author of Leader of the Pack. And um, so, Matt, how, how do people find the book? How do they find you? Uh, I'm easy. I was an early social media guy. So I am M like in Matt M sweetwood.com and at M sweetwood everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever you can find M sweetwood.com. You can go there, find the book. The book of course is on Amazon with its glorious 130 plus five-star reviews. Nice. So the question we ask everybody that attends the show is what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Um, so that's an interesting question. I think I probably should have listened to my dad who said, never get married. But, okay. <laughs> but I don't think that's what you... <laughs> All right, that one got me. Right. That one got okay. me. Okay. I, I think given, uh, given our first segment, here, yes. I think that that was... That was apropos. That was apropos. Exactly. I think, you know, if you had asked me this question a while, I would have answered it differently. But I, I read a book recently um, called Relentless by Tim Grover. And that book was very, very good for me because it reminded me it's okay to be different and lead and go your own way. In other words, have trust in yourself. And when you don't never let your level go to other people's levels, bring your team to your level. And to me that I always keep that in mind that when you see people struggling 
or even if they're unhappy or they're unhappy with you and the tendency to try to please them and change yourself to their level is not good. You bring them to your level. And then when you get everybody up to your level, this is the magic that he tells you is raise your level again. And I try to keep that in mind with almost everything I do. I'm always trying to raise my level. And so to me, that's don't get complacent. Don't think you've crossed the finish line. And he does a very good job in that book of describing how the best athletes that ever lived are like that. They win the NBA championship. They walk off the court and they're like, time to practice for next year. Yeah. And, and it's that attitude that I think really helped me. It sort of reminded me I need to keep always keep pushing forward. So best advice is bring everybody to your level, up to your level. And when they get to your level, raise your level again. Yeah, the best, the, the Kobe's, the the MJ's, the Tigers. I mean, it, it's the amount, it's what they do in the off season and what they do at night when nobody else is looking is what made them so good. That's right. right? My it's, hero was Jack Nicholas. Yeah. And I used to watch, I used to like Jack Nicholas and Cal Ripken. Those were two of my. Oh favorites. come on, Cal! A huge Cal Rip. My my, I was like a thirteen-year-old baseball team was the Orioles, and I played shortstop. So of course I was a Cal Ripken fan, yeah. right? Yeah, I was more of a third baseman and a center fielder, but nevertheless, um, you know, I look at those guys and the longevity and the consistency and the continuous pushing the level of what they did always really stuck with me, and so I really think that that's a good lesson. It's a good lesson for entrepreneurs is that never be satisfied with the level you've gotten yourself to always keep pushing ahead, pushing ahead. You're not done until you're dead. Yeah. I grew up uh, uh, three miles from Bay Hill in, in Arnie. And so we, we used to be able to go down and, and play and hang out with Arnold and same, he, cool, he always talk to the kids, you know, he was, but the big Bay Hill invitational, I think mm -hmm. it's the Nestle now is what they call it. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, good times. Well, listen, man, we, we certainly appreciate having you on the show and, and you hanging out with us and, and again, getting into it all. I appreciate you. Let me just fire off in that first segment and let's just get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. It's a pleasure. <laughs> That's the best makes for the best, the best talk. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, no, no pandering questions uh, on, on this show. No pandering. Like chocolate chip cookies and milk. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts for the audience before we uh, wrap up? No, go out there and get it, right? Stop sitting around. If you want to be successful, that power is totally within everybody. Success lies within each individual. Just a question of how badly they want it. Amen to that. So coming up on the show, um, you know, next week's going to be really fun, gang. Um, and for a lot of you that are John Maxwell team followers, um, uh, we're going to have Jana on. And uh, Jana and I are both uh, J John Maxwell team members. Uh, and really, uh, we're going to get into a discussion of uh, overcoming an introvert's fear in entrepreneurialism. And, and uh, she and I had a pre-meeting today for that show and it's super, super excited uh, to have her on. We've got uh, Michelle Baxo that'll be coming up uh, on the 13th. She's a repeat guest with us as well as uh, Simone Vincenzi is going to be with us on the 20th. So we've got some really, really exciting guests coming up. We're booked out through the rest of the year. So uh, I think there's only uh, one more replay left, which is going to be right around the holidays. But otherwise, we're going to be live with you every Friday uh, right here on the Work-Life Balance. You can always reach out to me at Rick A. Morris on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Um, and of course, we hope always that you're continually living your work-life balance and we will talk to everybody next Friday.
joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now.